going on, my friends? Welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and uh, this is episode number 240. And uh, we're fighting germs once again <laughs> in the secret house. It never, never ends. This year has been, this school year, I should say, has been bananas, right? Like, we're always sick. There's always, like, a new germ in the house. I had strep throat a couple weeks ago, and the last two days I have this congestion going on. No fever. I've done the COVID test. Uh, our friends had COVID, uh, Jordan's friends in kindergarten. Uh, the parents had COVID. Father had no fever, but he had COVID. And so I was like, well, maybe I should do a COVID test too. And nothing. So I don't have COVID, but I'm congested. Uh, I didn't sleep well last night. It's a mess. It's a mess. Jordan was sick the other day for like a day with a fever. Then it went away. I don't know, but we're trying. We're, we're, we're trudging our way <laughs> through through the uh, the germs of kindergarten, for sure. Today, though, we are talking to uh, a new friend on the show. His name is Austin Knoll, and uh, he wrote a book called A Jumble of Crumpled Papers, subtitle, A Church Kid's Journey from Confidence to Questioning to Christ. Uh, very, very, the, the subtitle is very much like, like Richard Rorish, right, from Order to disorder, to reorder, thinking of it all figured out, realizing that you don't, and then coming to some new conclusions uh, as you make your way through the journey. But anyway, we talk in this in this episode about uh, Austin's journey of deconstruction, and he looks at it through a very unique lens because he uh, is coming at, at this topic in the book from this place of being involved in youth ministry. And so he talks about a lot of his experiences, and we have a shared experience that we talk about, uh, teaser. It's called Cry Nights. Do you, have you ever had an experience with a cry night? Because maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but you're about to hear about it because Austin and I uh, have a shared experience, shared trauma <laughs> around this topic of cry nights. But really good episode. Austin is a great guy. He's going to come back on the show soon and talk to us about some more things, but I really appreciated the perspective that he brings to this topic because deconstruction is like the popular topic, right? Deconstruction, reconstruction, all the different things. And sometimes it can get exhausting. And so, you know, we've had a lot of people on the show talking about that, but I try to bring people on the show who are talking about that from a unique place uh, in their journey. And I feel like uh, Austin does that for sure. So I'll put his link in the in the show notes along with his book as well. Uh, also in the show notes, Patreon. Uh, is a place where you can go to support the show. Now listen, Patreon is a place. $3 a month up to whatever it is that you want to give a month uh, gets you entrance to this community of people. Uh, we do. We have a Discord chat where we, we chat throughout the day. We have monthly Zoom hangouts where we get on Zoom with coffee and we just talk uh, about life and about all sorts of things. And this last one that we had in January people. It blew my mind because we had, I think we had like at one point, maybe 10 people were on the call, but we had people from Canada, uh, the U.S., various spots in the U.S., West Coast, East Coast, Central. Uh, we had people, we had someone from Malaysia, someone from Honduras. Uh, sometimes we have somebody from the U.K. as well and Norway. Literally people all over the world on this call and, and we're just talking about life. And one of the things that somebody dropped in the Discord chat after was how much they appreciate this group because it makes them feel less alone in their life and in their journey. 
And that's what it's all about. That's what Patreon is all about. The money isn't important, okay? So if you are looking for community, seriously, send me a message. If you can't drop the $3 a month, fine. Send me a message. I will let you in the Discord group anyway and the Zoom meetings as well because we have people who are in this Patreon stuff who, who don't give every month because they, they can't. They're in a spot where they just can't make it work. I get it. But nobody's turned away from wanting community. That's not what this is about. Uh, so if you want that community and you can give $3 or more a month, great. If you can't, great. Send me a message. But I'd love to see you there. We had so much fun. We have so much fun. It would be great to have you as well. So anyway, all the links in the show notes. This is episode number 240, A Jumble of Crumpled Papers with Austin Knoll. Enjoy. I've been busy searching for you, yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true. Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah Just mind don't buy, don't play by the rules I'm gon' make sure that I play my cards right Intuition gave me signs that everything is alright Contemplating on my moves, I'm in a fight Under pressure, feel the walls, I'm moving in, it's getting tight the shuffle getting real I hope it lives on something good I'm all in for the kill Sometimes it's getting kinda scary I'm here for the thrill Decisions on top of decisions Like I chose a pill The bottle getting kinda empty Temptations made its presence in the air It's kinda tempting Shortcuts after question But it got on my attention Uh-oh and I forgot but did I mention Looks like I won the game Made my decision I listen all right, hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we are joined by a brand new friend. His name is Austin Knoll, and he wrote an amazing book called A Jumble of Crumpled Papers. And it is subtitled A Church Kid's Journey from Confidence to Questioning to Christ. And so Austin, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to connect with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the book, first of all. That's great. It was great. I was uh, I wasn't Appreciate I didn't know what to expect. You know, I knew it was going to yeah. be a, a story, but you really you took your story and you tied it into some really important things. And I came away going, yes, me too. <laughs> yeah, that that was the that was the point. That was the whole reason I wrote it was so people who had gone through similar things, could recognize those things, could discern those things, kind of work through those things and know that they weren't alone. So so that was a successful achieved goal. You accomplished it. <laughs> well done. Great. Well done. Love it. All right. So before we get too far into things, uh, maybe yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself other than writing this awesome book. Uh, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> yeah. So my name is Austin Knoll. I was born in Los Angeles, California. That is where both of my parents moved uh, from different parts of the country and where they met and where they first found the church. That's where they became Christians and all that kind of stuff. So I was born into it uh, in LA and for 18 years, grew up in church there, mm -hmm. went to college at UCLA for filmmaking. I'm a screenwriter mm -hmm. and a creative writer. Uh, and then when COVID happened, I had some family out in Texas and I went on a trip out there and I saw how cheap the apartments were. <laughs> and, um, I decided <laughs> to move out, move out here to finish my, my college, uh, my last year in college. And that was two years ago. So now I am out here, with my family, they moved out here pretty shortly after, and we're all out here. Uh, I am doing some some filmmaking stuff and some book stuff, and that's kind of my life right now. That's Both awesome. So, that. so it's expensive to live in LA, huh? Oh my gosh, I was living <laughs> in, in, a, in Westwood, which is right next to UCLA, and you'd think it'd be student friendly, but it is not at all. Yeah, we used yeah. to live up in uh, New Jersey, just outside of New York City, 
And yeah. it was same thing. Like I said to my wife, I'm like, yeah. everybody in our family has moved away. Why yeah. are we still here? <laughs> We're going to go broke. What are we doing here? Why are we paying these absurd prices for a shoe closet? Yeah. We have like friends yeah. that would work like each husband and wife working two jobs. They can barely yeah. pay the bills. They're like, I don't want to live that life. It's okay, at what point is it just not, not worth it anymore? Just move yeah. somewhere else and have to have just a more, a little more freedom to do some, whatever you want, you know? Exactly. So yeah. your book, uh, this is the third, I think the third deconstruction ish like book that I've had on the show yeah. in the last month. Um, deconstruction, wow. yeah, rethinking yeah. faith, like all that stuff is like the the hot topic right now. So my first question is like, why your book? What makes your book different? I mean, obviously it's your story, but what's sure. like the unique twist that you bring to this conversation that maybe other people aren't bringing? Yeah. Um, well, I, I've read a lot of similar books. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, in this period of time, that's what you do. You soak up knowledge for people who've gone through the same thing. So I, yeah. I've been through a lot of those books and they're all fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. I, th I think at least from my perspective, what's different about my book is that it is my story, but but I'm, I'm 24 right now. And I wrote this book a year ago about my experiences about four years ago through my young childhood years. And sure. I think what I wrote, what I wrote this book for was, was for my younger self. And the perspective is very focused on those youth ministry, middle school, high school, college years, mm -hmm. which a lot of other, some books tie into a little bit, but, but that's, that's very much the, the focus kind of world of the story of the book and what yeah. I'm talking about. So a lot of the, the, the focus and, and, and ideas I want to challenge and beliefs I want to confront have to do with with those years while also overarching to to be universal for anybody going through this um but I think it's really keyed into to younger people um for those who have personally gone through it or youth ministers looking at their at their ministries and how they conduct themselves and parents looking through looking to kind of better understand where their children are at um so that I think that's a unique lens that I'm trying to tell this entire entire thing through so yeah, and I think I think that's that's what I got out of it because I've the last person I had on the show that talked about his deconstruction book, he was writing about it from the perspective of he was like a private Christian school teacher for twenty years. So he was writing yeah. it from that perspective. Another guy was a was a pastor. He was writing from it from you know about it from that perspective. But yeah. you came in from these youth ministry kind of years, and mm. honestly, that awakened a lot in me because I grew up in that world as well. And I was a youth pastor for a long time. So there's okay, a lot of so different things. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of different things that I haven't revisited yet in sure. my deconstruction. And when you brought something up, I'm like, holy crap, that's another thing I've got to think about. Because <laughs> no, I'm there's like a whole, a whole nother, a whole nother thing, a whole nother <laughs> rabbit hole that I have to go down. But yeah. it, that's I think that's the unique twist that you bring to it is you bring that aspect of that lens, I guess, of a church experience to the table that not everybody's bringing. Yeah. So yeah. And kind of what you were saying is it is because of the fact that for those of you, I mean, for those who, who have grown up in church or have been there mm -hmm. for a long time, uh, I, I, the majority of the people who I've heard back from who have read the book so far are past their forties because mm -hmm. the experiences are, are universal for the better or yeah. for the worse. And, yeah. and a lot of these childhood experiences, well, for me, that may be the majority of my life up to this point mm -hmm. for some people, it may have happened 30 years ago, but it's still the same kind of realm of events and understanding and stuff. So, that's so right. that's why I think it, it's really nice to reach people from all ages and a lot of yeah. people have gotten good feedback from it. So, there you yeah. Go. Yeah. I love it. So I realized the book is uh, obviously your story, 
But I was yeah. wondering if you could maybe begin by taking us into it a little bit, and then we'll kind of see, you know, what what rabbit holes we decide to go down. But uh, obviously, don't give away all the gems from the book and your story. But course, maybe just a little not. bit, uh, give us like a an overarching tour of Austin's uh, spiritual life. Like, where did you begin? Where are you now? And some of the steps that got you from there to here. <laughs> okay, the Cliff Notes version. That's so, right. <laughs> uh, born into the church. Yep. Uh, the book really deals with this overarching theme, which I mean is a universal theme in deconstruction. A lot of people kind of going through challenging their beliefs is mm-hmm. growing up or, or for an extended period of time, believing that the glass bowl that is your religious experience is infallible. And every idea you're given is true. And of yeah. course being that that's, that's a, that's a, a common phase and process that, a lot of people go through yeah. that have been through religious systems, but mm-hmm. for a church kid who was born into it mm-hmm. and who never knew a life outside of that, never accepted the beliefs and added them to previous knowledge, but their knowledge in general is founded entirely around that because you never knew anything else. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's even harder to, to get to a point where you're finally discerning that maybe all the ideas that you've been taught by leaders and people who are older than you that you have been learned to trust and believe are would never lead you in a direction that wasn't healthy to finally be like, Oh, Oh, okay. So maybe that thing I learned about, about the Bible or about God or about myself, maybe that wasn't quite true. So for 18 years of my life, growing up being taught that every single thing I learned about God or the Bible or Jesus or church was completely true and not only so but but our church did it the best and the (laughs) the straightest way to jesus was our church and this set of beliefs in this lens and this perspective and then going to college and and going through a lot of hardships with friends and um rigidity with 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 members of the opposite sex and and seeing the control Mm -hmm. and and the ultra the ultra manipulation and trying to just just control every single aspect of your life and going through things with with leaders, learning that they there were they, certain things were were being taught to me intentionally, untruthfully, and unhealthily, and realizing how the toll it took on my my relationships with other people mm-hmm. and my view of God and all that stuff, and then realizing okay, so not everything here is healthy. How many things here could now not be healthy? Now that I've accepted that one thing may not be as healthy as I believed it would, how many things have I brought on from these 18 years of my life that I need to look at and maybe decide yeah. I need to reevaluate that. And that's yeah. the entire book is me going through these different things, different sectors of my, of my spiritual upbringing and Christianity and kind of challenging which things I still believe, which things I don't. The title is a jumble of crumpled papers. And that refers to the metaphor that if every idea or belief that you have come to, to believe were each written down, on a an individual slip of paper in your mind and filed mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Once you start to challenge that and start to realize that maybe that finely organized pile is not all true, it kind of becomes a chaotic jumble in your head. And you have to now set off to 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 cipher cipher through every single idea and kind of intentionally unravel it and decide what you believe about it now and kind of file it away respectively, if you believe it still or not. Yeah. So that's the entire book. Yeah. And I love how I think it's early on in the introduction, you say that 
when you started writing the book, like you're like, I don't really know where this is going to go. Yeah. I thought that was like, I had no idea. Yeah. And I thought that was so like reflective of the whole process of deconstruction, right? Because you don't know where it's going to go. Like you open, you open up that one piece of paper in your mind and you're like, you crumble that one up, but then there's not, you don't know like which one's going to come next, but the whole and thing where is going to what path it'll go down. What yeah. What and where you'll end up from where you started. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So in the book, you mentioned a lot, a specific term that might come up in our conversation. So let's get it kind of yeah. on the table is contemporary Christian culture. Yes. And that's kind of like the, that's the thing that we're rethinking. That's the, that's the issue that's on the table. So maybe define what that is before we get into the different aspects of it. <laughs> yeah. Contemporary Christian culture in, in summation is mm-hmm. the, the modern, the modern present younger approach to Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, as a word for me, I don't know what the dictionary definition is, but, but for me, the, 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 the word or the idea contemporary Mm-hmm. While experienced, I think by any age, by any generation, at any given point in time, contemporary usually is most most influenced and most influences the generation that is young enough to like, like the generation about the eighteen to twenty year olds, millennials, Gen Z, that kind of at least for our generation right now. Sure, and, and that's the generation for me that 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 is young enough to be influenced by all this stuff, but also old enough to actually influence the direction that a lot of the culture is taking in any Mm. given sector of life. So contemporary Christian culture right now for me is, is the, the way that faith and spirituality and religion is kind of um, enacted by the current generation and has a lot to do with, with, I mean, in the book, I, I talk about all about um, different kind of styles of life, lifestyle things that are are culturally reminiscent of contemporary Christian culture, which is, I talk about uh, the Christian kind of dialect, Christianese, the different Christian phrases that we all know and, and things like that. And <laughs> talk about conferences and how people love conferences. I talk about celebrity pastors, how that's a whole fad right now. Celebrity <laughs> pastors, young pastors that are attractive and talk well, and say big words and make yeah. big phrases that make people feel a lot of emotion. Yeah. Um, emotion in itself is a whole thing about contemporary Christian culture, especially with younger people, but widespread through a lot of different ages right now. It's, and that's been for a while, I think, is Christianity really seeks to hit the emotion and goes for emotional highs, mm-hmm. kind of as an expression of emotional or as of spiritual, uh, I don't know, conviction, devotion. Mm-hmm. Um but, but contemporary Christian culture is a very wide umbrella of just the different expressions of Christianity right now um, that that may or may not deviate from what Christianity traditionally is and should be. Um, yeah. And that can be objective or subjective based on what you're talking about. But that's kind of contemporary Christian culture, CCC. Yeah, and I think that that culture leaks its way into many different streams of Christianity, right? Because you can Absolutely. find like I I grew up in the Reformed Church. Yeah. That's okay. typically a very, you know, conservative. We just kind of stand there with our our arms sure. at our side kind of thing. But yet the yeah. things you're talking about, that's where I was a youth pastor, like that this all leaks into that area. It leaks into right. a Hillsong type place. Like no matter where right. you are in Absolutely. Christian culture, the things that you're talking about in the book uh, will be there. So early yeah. on in the book, you you made this comment that really uh kind of resonated with me. And I don't have the quote in front of me, but it's something to the effect that 
like the church, the entire church system, or I think you use the word like ecosystem is often built on this, this pursuit of like making yourself better of being yeah. like perfect um, as opposed to kind of seeking the power of God to impact or change your life on the, on the inside. And I thought yeah. about that. Like that was really interesting because like, that's been my experience too. And I used to call it the, the gospel of self-improvement, right? Like every, yes, every very, sermon, yeah. like in our homiletics class and things yeah. like that, like how to be like a five-step manual and alliteration is better if everything starts with the same letter, it sounds the same kind of thing, but exactly. this five-step manual, yeah. yeah, to improve your life and to like to make it better. And so that part of the book got me thinking, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you thought a lot about this because you, you wrote the book, but like, let's yeah. imagine for a minute, what might it look like for a church to teach people to pursue the power of God, to change them on the inside, as opposed to merely trying to be more perfect or to have these five steps come into my life and make me a better person. Like what is the difference between those two things and what would it look like for a church to pursue the power versus just yeah. the, the, you know, the outer change. I think that, that was a great segue because I think one of the things about contemporary Christian culture is at least from what I've observed and has been for a long time is mm -hmm. this pursuit of perfection or bettering yourself Yep. Um, to fit me, in me, 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 yeah. me things, right. It's all me trying to, trying to, I think a lot of ways the the bettering of yourself has been equated with the growing of your spirituality and your faith, right? Yeah, and the deepening true. of your faith. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's an it's it's an intentional structural thing implemented to control people and to guide them a certain way. And sometimes it's unintentional because it's very easy to slip into that mind, that train of thinking when there's not many other ways to to easily be able to perceive someone's faith level outwardly mm. um, in, in a very uniform way from person to person. So mm -hmm. some people we, we've in unintentionally or intentionally added these kind of kind of gates here that, that are kind of checkpoints for, Oh, we see you're growing in your faith because you're doing this mm -hmm. or your life looks like this, or you're, you respond with this when someone says this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And what that, what that is. And, and a thing, another reason too, why that, in contemporary Christian culture, at least for young people, especially, and all, all ages too, but an approach that I, my generation and around has taken to church and to Christianity is, I mean, young people love goals. Young mm -hmm. people love working towards something and being unified in a cause. And we found, you know, recently in history, young people found a lot of causes that are great that we've unified together to try to enact change in different things. Mm -hmm. And it's been successful in a lot of ways. And, and there's a unifying power in people using their energy to do something good and to better society and better themselves. Mm -hmm. And the problem is we take that to church and it doesn't work that way mm -hmm. because all that does is, is give is is lead people down a pathway that ultimately can lead to a lot of shame because mm -hmm. there are standards set up for people that they can't meet. Yeah. And they feel like, oh, I need a goal here. I need to aim. What is looking being with Christ look like? Yeah. Oh, it looks like this. I need to do this and get here and tithe this and serve here and say this. And a lot of the time, no matter where we are, there's always kind of a farther way to go because the goalposts are moved. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so important to get in that space where 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 
Christ is leading you from the inside out and then leading you to do these things and not bettering yourself, but just focusing on your relationship with and growing from the inside. Um, because that's the only way I always think about the word authenticity a lot lately. Mm. Authenticity is so important for, for so much of the wellness of spiritual communities, especially in this context. Um, but it's hard to gauge when, when, when it's not an outward expression, but yeah. um, I don't know. That, that's what I have to say about that really. Yeah. And I think, I think what you said about moving the goalpost yeah. and creating this standard that you can't, you can't possibly meet. Like right. looking back on my years as a pastor, there's something very manipulative that, that goes on at a subconscious level, I think in the mind yeah. of a pastor, because if you can keep the standard so high and move the goalpost ever so far every Sunday, it keeps people coming back. I mean, that's the, right. that's the name of the game. I mean, you, you, right. especially as a pastor, like you feel the pressure from the board and from people like you got to get right. butts in the pews because the people come in the pews, they put the money in the plate, keeps the lights on, keeps the bills paid. Like there's this, yeah. this whole other political pressure that goes on for a pastor. So when you're creating your sermons and you're preaching this stuff, if you could just keep that, if people are reaching for the goal and they're getting there, but you move it back like a carrot a little bit more, it right. keeps them coming back. And I think that just so there's such a manipulation piece there that I think if a pastor's not aware that that is there right. and you're not guarding yourself against it, it's very easy to go down that path. And I know I've gone down that path before. Sure. And I know many people um, have just learned that from mm -hmm. generations and growing up and that's the way it's done. Yep. And they don't a lot. I, I, I truly believe that while there are people with malicious intent, absolutely. There are many people who are just doing what they believe church is because that yep. is what church has become in a lot of contexts yeah and and to them it's oh i'm helping this person grow yep. i'm leading them to a deeper faith i'm challenging them but but it's not toward it's not leading them towards christ leading them more towards shame and self um i mean it's just shame really yeah in a lot of ways yeah but that's that's the theology a lot of us like you said we were brought up with and so mm -hmm. it's normal. It's normal to be ashamed of yourself. It's normal to feel like right. I can't possibly measure up. It's normal to feel like there's something wrong with me. And it's so like what performing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so as a pastor, like, well, I have to make people feel that because that's the way you're supposed to feel. So until you step right. out of the box and you start to right. get to this place where you and I are, where we're kind of looking in the box going, I don't know if that's really the best way to approach right. God and to approach faith and things like that. So yeah, that's really good. Another thing I want to talk to you about because yeah. this came up for me. Uh, I haven't thought about this okay. since I read your book. I mean, and, but this is something that was a huge part of my life. And that's the the piece about the cry nights. Oh, my talked gosh. About cry nights. In the book. Okay. And so I think a lot of our listeners, some of our listeners will be familiar with this, but a lot of them will not. I am, and I have stories. So th oh, this, man, who knows what PTSD stories. is going to come up right now? Yeah. <laughs> I have so many stories, but talk to us about uh, what these cry nights are, what they were. What was yeah. your experience with them? And looking back now, looking in the box, standing outside, looking in, why yeah. are these things so problematic? It's interesting because when I wrote the book and all the years before writing the book, I had no idea what cry night even was because my church didn't call it cry night. My church called it confession night. Uh -huh. And I think that may have been better to disguise the intent behind it because it wasn't known as this night where you cry. Yeah. It was known as the night where you confess your sins. Mm -hmm. And Funnily enough, before not until writing the book did I even know my parents had no idea this was even going on at church. Mm -hmm. I assumed there was a thing that everyone, all the parents had set up and they knew what was happening at camp. A night you would 
sing these really emotional songs and go in a small group and confess all your sins to this leader and there's other people in your group. And I assumed it was this thing that was condoned by the parents and everyone knew about it, but they had no idea what was going on in that camp all these years. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that it was called cry night in many circumstances. And what cry night is, is basically what I talked about, about contemporary Christian culture, reaching these Mm -hmm. emotional highs. Um, It's a night at, at youth camps, usually uh, teen camps, whatever where you they bring out the the most emotional songs they bring out extended choruses they sing riffs over and bridges over and over and over again and they get people feeling so unified Mm -hmm. and what they're really seeking is that emotional expression whether it's through tears whether it's through um uh exhaustion whether it's through, through all these different things because it's equated and known as if you do that, then you've really had your breakthrough and, and really experienced Christ or the Holy Spirit or whatever you have, whatever you have it. Right. And I remember one thing that wasn't in the book was, was I didn't put together afterwards was the fact that this, this idea of a breakthrough every year after camp, we would have what we call an afterglow, which the first Friday after coming back from camp, all the campers meet with all the leaders and all of their parents in this giant end of camp kind of reflection. And they bring people to talk about their experiences, the camp, the leadership about the, about the campers and all that kind of stuff. And every single year, there were always those three or four or five kids mm-hmm. who everyone knew, oh, they had their breakthrough. And the, the mm-hmm. team leader would share at this afterglow, oh, this camper so-and-so ha- had a breakthrough at camp. And what I realized later was, oh, wait a minute, those were just the kids that were seen really having an, a visible expression of emotion during yeah. usually confession night or at some point during camp, they had some breakdown episode or they had some whatever else, some just a really expressive moment. And going back through to, to outward betterment, they took the outward expression as, oh, no, that was that was him seeing Christ. And a lot of churches do altar calls that night because when these kids, young people are at their emotion, most emotionally vulnerable, they are most open to, to being manipulated and, and affected to change. And they have altar calls and tons of people. If you talk to a lot of people who grew up in church, they'll say that one of their moments when they came to Christ was during these altar calls. And I'm not saying it's, it's, it's uh, inauthentic because a lot mm-hmm. of people still fully believe that and those moments were very important for them, but for a lot of people, those moments they'll look back on and go, okay, I was totally manipulated to feel things that were equated with the Holy Spirit or God. And they were just me feeling tired and not and hungry and sad. Yeah. 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 I mean, for me, it like all this stuff resonates with me. I went to I went to a Bible college. And so we had yeah. uh chapel like every Thursday or Wednesday or whatever it was. Sure. And it was in the it was in the gymnasium, you know. So it's pretty much the whole school is there, mm-hmm. and there was always a worship time. And like you said, it was the the same songs with long choruses, and yep. would always get louder, kind of at that moment of the the climax of the song, you know. And they'd always yeah. have room up in the front for people to come up, to come up, and to get on their knees and to pray and things like that. And there always be an altar call after the the sermon or the message and things like that, and. What I began to notice, and I, I especially see it now kind of looking back, is that there was an inner circle of students mm-hmm. there. And that inner circle of students was always the students who were having the most powerful moments 
yeah. you know, up front. And that's not to say, like you said, like, I don't want anybody to think that like we're shaming that whole experience oh, no. because, because there's a lot of good that can come out of it. I know there's a lot of sure. people who have benefited immensely from that, who, you know, would say absolutely had an experience with God in those moments, things like that. So it's definitely yeah. possible, sure. but I think it's also can be, can be very manipulative. And I, I look at it from my perspective of thinking to myself, I remember sitting there thinking, so I can't be in that inner circle unless right. I'm having that experience. But the problem is, is I don't feel anything right now. Right. So I, I can pretend to put my hand in the air. I can pretend that like I'm having this experience. I've gone right. up to the front before I've been teary eyed because the music can make you feel teary eyed depending yeah. on what your life circumstance is that day, things like that. But I don't really feel anything. So therefore there must be something wrong with me. Now I'm right. already a person who struggles with shame because I've already, because of my, my past and my childhood, things like that, like different instances with my, uh, with like my father, different teachers, things like that. Mm -hmm. Like I've always struggled with that inner voice that says I'm no good. And so now I, now, I, now I'm feeling no good in chapel. Like the one place where I think I should probably feel some sort of goodness of God's presence. I'm feeling like a, a major loser because I'm getting this degree in Bible. I'm supposed to have like a degree in God. And so I'm supposed right. to, right. So I'm supposed to have like, <laughs> I, if anybody should be able to feel something, it should be me, but I feel yeah. nothing. And so and like, what's going it. on? Yeah. And then you keep, and then again, it, it keeps you coming back. Cause like, well, if I didn't feel it this week, maybe I'll feel it next week. Right. And maybe I'll hit different buttons on the vending machine this week. And when I come back next week, something different will happen, but it right. never did. And I felt so authentic. much shame. Yeah, for such Being a long time. Being authentic to what you felt made you feel like you weren't measuring up. Yes. And that's exactly, I mean, I mean, so many people that I've, I've heard, I, I was on a Reddit thread for two and a half hours, went through all people's, their experiences about cry nights. Talk about doom and, scrolling. And <laughs> so many of them just, just out, like, yeah, out scrolling, man. And it was ast astounded me how many people, how many people's stories were about them not feeling or feeling something, but not enough to, to cry about it or do all this stuff. And yeah. because of that, they felt, oh, am I, am I not reaching as deep as these people are? Is my faith not deep enough? Am I not really seeing Christ a, as clearly as they are? Yeah. And what that does is just makes you feel shame. And they're the ones usually being most authentic. I'm not saying people who, who are expressive are not being authentic. Many of them are being authentic, but yeah. also there's a pressure, there's a pressure to, express a little more than you usually are in that context because you know that it's equated with something good and yeah. something that's expected of you yeah. um and that brings on a lot of shame for a lot of people yeah man yeah i have so many stories they're all well, it's I like a rolodex in my head right sometime. now <laughs> someday i have one story that i haven't told you here maybe yeah. we'll have you back on and we'll explore this at an even I'd deeper level and we'll talk about it, it, it's a whole the stories discussion on itself it goes so deep Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people have had that experience. Cause I know a lot of my listeners come from kind of a more Pentecostal kind of background, you know, where it's, sure. it's, the emotions yeah. play a huge role in it. And I have people have said to me, like, I haven't always felt those emotions, even though people around me do. And so I think yeah. that would be a fun, not a fun thing, but I think that would be a good thing for us to unpack really uh, a little bit you know, of a yeah. deeper level. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So last question, I want to talk okay. to you about uh, indoctrination. You talk about, you have a section in the book about this. And I think it's really great because yeah. over the course of my deconstruction, I've come to realize that a lot of what I thought was education was really indoctrination. And mm -hmm. I, I, I talked to my wife about this the other day. And I said, we went to the same Bible college. I then went to get my master's at the seminary that was part of the Bible college. 
got my doctorate from there. And the school was very big on like education, like educating its students and sure. A, B, and C and X, Y, and Z and, and all those different things. But now that I'm out of there and I've, I started my deconstruction process in that world, which was a whole mess in, in, in and of itself. But now that I'm kind of yeah. out of that world and I'm having this podcast, I'm having conversations with people like you, we've had like Bart Ehrman on the show and like oh, yeah, Elaine sure. Pagels and some people who are, have a huge piece of knowledge about yeah. the entirety of Christianity, not just one little segment. The I said to my wife, uh, yeah. yeah, I said to my wife, I'm like, I'm realizing that like, I have all these, I've spent so much time in school. I said, I feel yeah. like I know nothing. <laughs> I said, I know wow, very much. I know so very much accurate. about this, but I don't know anything about all of this. Yeah. And I said, it's so frustrating to me. So I'm wondering if we could just get your thoughts about yeah. this whole piece about indoctrination in the church, what that looks like, what it means, all that kind of stuff. The first thing I thought, I don't even mm -hmm. know if I said this in the book, I'm sure I yeah. did somewhere, but, but there is a, a, if you take five different religions specifically, mm -hmm. you take I mean, five different religions, right? And you ask each of them, what is the answer to life? They will give you five varying answers that share some things and are different on some things. But the sure. problem is they would each teach you these as if they were the absolute undoubted truth. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is if you get five absolute undoubted truths that are all kind of contrary to one another in different ways, that leaves you in a place where, where you question whether all of any of them are. And growing up in a, a, a specific Christian church, right? You're taught so many things that are absolutely true about um specifically the way the church is and the way God is. Mm -hmm. And you're taught, I mean, in, in, in many churches, in my church specifically that I learned was we believed we were the one true church. And mm -hmm. many churches believe that. And if yeah. you look at five different churches and they believe that you go, oh, I don't think the math add ups, adds up there. Uh, <laughs> we can all be the one true church. Right. Unless we all are. But, right. but um, <laughs> and the thing about that is the indoctrination aspect comes in when you're you're taught to believe some of these things so so certainly uh -huh. as opposed and at the same time being taught all the things you shouldn't believe mm -hmm. you certainly shouldn't believe and certainly should believe um that there's a point that comes when when you're left with so many certainties that your mind is locked yeah there's no opening for any other expressions or any other beliefs that may challenge ones you already have you've had these certain beliefs you've cemented them you've been taught to lock them down and not question them mm -hmm. and when you have a mind full of unquestionable beliefs you've hit the max of capability to to grow mm -hmm. and because of that you're locked in and whether or not some of those are, are good or bad beliefs or whatever you're now, you're now completely a part of kind of a, a hive mind of the same beliefs and you're kind of locked into a system and when you're in a system that you're so reliant on because all your beliefs revolve around it, mm -hmm. there's very little chance that you're going to leave because there's when you, you're not much or you don't believe you're much mm -hmm. when you're apart from that system, because all your beliefs are founded in that one particular place or ideology. Yeah. And many people don't ever leave because they've now kind of compromised their individuality for this group part. That makes sense in a yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a way that 
I know many churches are unintentional because that's just how they learn to do certain things, but mm-hmm. many of them do that as a way to, to gain people and to keep people. Yeah. I mean, I look back on like my professors in school and I had this conversation with somebody uh, a while ago on the podcast, but I kind of came to this conclusion. Like, I don't think, I don't think anybody, I mean, there are people out there who are purposely manipulative. There are people out there. There sure. are those kinds of people. But yeah. Like, I don't think in my experience, I don't think anybody was trying to manipulate me. I think they were just showing they were presenting me with what they've been presented with. Right. Like, exactly. You don't, you don't know until you see, you don't, you don't really know. And so these were people who hadn't really seen different things. Right. And, you know, now, now, now that I'm in this place where like, I'm, I'm realizing how, how wide the umbrella of Christianity is, because like, right. you know, like I had, you know, taught about hell, hell is this physical place of fire yeah. and you, go there when you believe Fire the wrong things screaming and whatever else yep. yeah and it's horrible and i'm like yeah. well, I, that never really sat right with me but I'm like well i guess yeah. that's what it is because it's the only way to think about it and then right. rob bell's book came out you know love wins right. and i was like i was like holy smokes like, there's another way to think about yeah. this and then i'm like well i wonder what else there's other ways to think about and i got right. this book uh what is this book where is it uh oh here it is i got it on my shelf what is it called i gotta get the right title yeah. Lost Christianities by Bart Ehrman, The Battles for Scripture and the Faiths that We Never Knew. And I remember I got this book and I'm like, Lost Christianities, like there's more right. than one. Oral? You know, there's, there's more than one. And yeah. so like that sent me down this, this rabbit hole. I'm like, wow, there's the early days of Christianity were even more diverse than they are today. And like yeah. that to some people that's horrifying because a lot of people just want to know, just tell me what to believe. So I can yeah. get it all right. I could check all the boxes. But for me, I was like, well, all those boxes never fit. And now right. I'm realizing that people have thought differently about stuff for a very, very long time. And I think yeah. that that's what education is. Like, I think education is is being able to say like, hey, this is what I believe, right. A, B, and C. But that's not the only way to believe because there's a Absolutely. lot of these other ways to believe as well. And I'm not going to force my beliefs on you. I'd like right. it if you believe this way, because it might be easier for us to have a conversation, whatever, but right. you're welcome to believe whatever it is you want to believe. Here's all the cards on the table right. and take it and process it and do what you will with it kind of thing. So indoctrination is here are all the things I, or we believe if right. you don't comply with these things, you're not going to fit here. That's right. Education is here's what we believe. Here's what they believe. Here's all these pieces of information of, of all these different parts of this. Yeah. It's your life. You can choose what you want here. Okay. Um, this is what I believe, but here's all these different things because you need to fill in all these things and choose what fits with you. Right. That's right. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we're trying to like raise my daughter. Like we've had family members say like, well, you know, you have to tell her about this, this, and this. I'm like, well, yeah. we will tell her about this, this, and this, but we'll also tell her about that, that, and that, because yeah. she needs that's to know fair. that this is not the only way to believe yeah. there's other because she's going to meet people in her classes right. and her life who are going to think differently than she does. And she needs to know right. that that's okay. It's okay. To and how much different. stronger a faith, how much stronger a belief or an idea that you've chosen yeah. rather than it was given and forced upon you. Right. That's right. If you end that's up choosing right. the same things, then awesome. You chose the exact that's same right. things that you, we kind of wanted you to choose or wish you would choose, but how much stronger it is when you chose it for yourself rather than just being here, choose this or hit the highway. Right. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, Austin, we are just about out of time, but this has been a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join me and thanks for this book. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah, for sure. And a real quick, where can people go to connect with you online, uh, with you and your work? Best places. Yeah, best place for me is my Instagram, probably at Austin Knoll, A-U-S-T-I-N underscore N-O-L-L. 
Awesome. I will put it all. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it all in the show notes and we'll do it again soon. Awesome. Absolutely. Wake up, get your morning started. Drinking daily coffee, got this money on my mind. The sun ain't always shining, but it's brighter days ahead. It's gonna get started, we can do what we wanna wake up. Wake up, get your morning started. Drinking daily coffee, got this money on my mind. The sun ain't always shining, but it's brighter days ahead. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Got myself to see the big picture. You not alone, I'm right there with ya. Trust me, get up. Guess I gotta be more stricter. Keep my head up, getting more slicker. I know, yeah. Gotta move my feet, put in the motion. I know that every door I walk up to is bound to open. Wish it all could be so easy, I insert a token. Hit that thing on both sides, if the size is broken. Move on, oven cooking, I be on the slope. Grind anything I put my mind up to, I bound to be mine. Best to get it by my way. Follow suit and fall the line. Hope you gotta, hope you get it. Go and check the guidelines, yo. Wake up, get your morning started. Drinking daily coffee, got this money on my mind. The sun ain't always shining, but it's brighter days ahead. It's gonna get started, we can do what we wanna wake up. Wake up, get your morning started. Drinking daily coffee, got this money on my mind. The sun ain't always shining, but it's brighter days ahead. So I can see the sunrise Beauty all in the sky So really wipe all my cries Haven't felt this in a while Man, I can't even lie Living one day at a time Man, I'm just getting by Job is stressing me with all the nonsense Can't stop it Quitting, then I'm on my own terms Make a profit Making sure I'm counting every penny in my pocket Chessing ain't no checkers on my moves That's a promise just keep it real, bro, that's all that I know. Waking up at crack of dawn, time not getting slow. Keep it moving, I'ma do the same, need a for growth. Before I blossom, gotta back up all my seeds on the low. Let's go. Yeah, keep it moving, I'ma do the same, need a for growth. Yeah. Before I blossom, gotta pack up all my seeds on the low. Let's go. Wake up, get your morning started. Drinking daily coffee, got this money on my mind.